Well, what I'd like to do today is the following. Is um, tonight at 6, right? 6 o'clock? If you normally don't come, come tonight. It'll be fabulous. I'm going to do the whole book of Second Peter from memory. And then we're going to teach verse by verse on the second coming. It's going to be... I, we just had a boy on Thursday. Praise the Lord. And it's like the baby was like 10 days late. And you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for the sun to come. And, the, and it's just like I'm thinking to myself... <laughs> Nobody waits for Jesus like that, that eagerly anticipating, waiting for Jesus to come and to redeem us. And it'll just be a really, really good message tonight. It's at six. And then for the main service, what I'd like to do is to speak the short book of Philemon from me to you. It takes like three minutes. That's it. And then we'll just work verse by verse through it, talking about the subject, the subject of forgiveness. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to me and to thee, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, my own child. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more to thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord? If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say unto thee how thou owest unto me, even thy own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. You can say amen. It's okay. It says Baptist on the sign outside, right? <laughs> All right, friends, let's work through this book. Verses 1 through 3, if you're taking notes, verses 1 through 3. This will be our introduction, our introduction. Verse number 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Pause real quick. Now, all of Paul's, like all of Paul's letters, he starts them out like this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, dot, dot, dot. 
He starts them out very authoritatively. He's using his credentials as an apostle to command the people he's writing to do this or to do that. Okay? Not here. He tones it down, big league, and he just calls himself a prisoner. Why? Well, number one, number one, there's three actors on the stage of this book. You have Paul. Then you have Philemon, who we'll get to, and you have Onesimus, who we'll get to, and he's a prisoner. So Paul is linking himself together with one of the three actors on this stage, hence he calls himself a prisoner, number one. Number two, like, I have, he probably never even thought there would be something called the New Testament, okay? He did, what, what's a New Testament, okay? And so this is just a letter, it's just a letter from one friend to another, Right, that eventually got put in here, but he didn't know, I'm sure. So he starts it out just like he's writing a friend, so he just calls himself a prisoner. Okay, And he is. This is his first Roman imprisonment. We'll get to that in a bit. Also, in verse number one in this introduction, Timothy is mentioned. You already know about him. And then someone called Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. What is this all about? This is the second actor on the stage. Well, Philemon's a Greek name. He's a Gentile, probably. He's a former pagan who Paul led to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll get to that later because that's what he says. Okay, Now, he's called a dearly beloved. Now, as we talked a bit about, if you didn't come to Sunday school, (laughs) you missed out. Sometimes what happens is, look, the Bible wasn't written in King James English. You know this. And sometimes what happens over time is words change, right? We were watching a movie a few whatever weeks ago, my wife and I, And I feel happy, I feel happy, I feel so happy and gay. It's great to be gay in the movie. You know, that's what the word meant in the 1940s, 50s movie. It meant great, you know. Wow, things change, okay? And words change. Um, You know, he was, uh, like in Sunday school, you're going to know this one now. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Well, bruised means boom, gone in a week. Bruised. But Jesus wasn't bruised like that for our iniquities. The Hebrew word is daka, which means to crush or to pulverize something beyond any recognition of its original state. Beautiful can of Diet Coke. Okay? Looks so nice, right? And you just smash it to pieces. That's what the word means for bruise. Daka. Okay? This word beloved here in verse number one, it's agapethos. It means the one near and dear to my heart. The one who I have a special bond and a special relationship with. This is who this guy is. Not just another friend. Verse number two, who's mentioned next? Afia. That's a girl's name. Very rare in the world of the Bible to have in the introduction a woman's name. So the idea is, is that this person, Afia, is the wife, the wife of Philemon. Because what Paul is going to ask in a little bit, happy life, happy wife. Okay? Very easy. Very easy. What he's going to ask Philemon to do, he knows that unless the husband and the wife pull together in this, this request, it's not happening. Okay, so he includes her too. And then next in verse number two, Archippus is mentioned. A boy's name, who knows, probably, maybe, their son, fellow soldier, a warrior, someone on the front line of the Christian faith in this church. What church? The church mentioned in verse number two at the end. Now, the church in thy house, what's this all about? I had the privilege of living and studying in Jerusalem for four years recently. That's where I met Sarah, my wife, from St. Cloud. <laughs> God's got a sense of humor. Mom, Dad, I met a guy in the Middle East. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> like, how many camels does he want for you? 
what in the world? And no sooner than that, they were on a jumbo jet. Boop, came out to visit. It was Easter time anyways, right? To come out and see Israel and to that extreme vet, me, okay? Everything turned out great, okay? But anyways, over there, when I was there, I, I was the Sunday school teacher at my church, right? right which was right on the, the, the patriarchal highway, which connects Shechem to Beersheba. Pastors walked on that, right? Right, and, 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 and so, but the church I was Sunday school at, and this is nothing. It was firebombed twice in four years I was there, okay? Now that's nothing compared to what these people in verse number two, the kind of church they live in, no fans, no PowerPoint, no padded pews, no hand sanitizer around every corner, and a beautiful, beautiful nursery downstairs, and a great underground, illegal, dusty, bloody, on-the-run, hot, sweaty religion. That's their world. And this guy, the church in that house, this guy's probably well-to-do, okay? He's like got a little bit of money, and he is putting himself out. He's using those talents, that gifts, big time to put himself out there. He lives right on 35 and 90 in Colossae. And all these Christians are going up and down. And everyone knows in the Underground Railroad that if you stop at Philemon's house, he's great. He'll take care of you. He'll bless you. And you can go to a service there. Okay? Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is that customary introduction blessing that Paul uses in all the letters, of course, except Galatians, because he doesn't like them, okay? When you think of Galatians, think of like Asia, you know, Asia Minor, we'll say America. Then within America, you have the different states. In Asia Minor, you have different provinces or states, and one of those provinces or states was Galatia. So the letter to the Galatians in the Bible is like saying, you know, to that church in Hermantown and Duluth and Cloquet and, and all that's, right? And since they're rebelling against grace, are you saved by faith alone and not by works? He's really angry with them, so he doesn't say grace and peace to you. Grace, that which gives you, affords you your joy, your pleasure, right? And then peace, completeness, completeness, wholeness. What makes you that as a person, sound, right, is God's love and God's grace. So this is what he wishes to him. And then verse number four, verse number four, I thank my God making mention of the always in my prayers. That is to say, when, when Paul's mind went into neutral, right, when he wasn't running away from this or running into that or standing before a president or doing whatever, when his mind was just in neutral, we know where it went, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, at least at times, right? He's rejoicing evermore. He's praying without ceasing and everything. He's giving thanks because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning him. He's quenching out the spirit. He's despising, not prophesying. He's proving all things. He's holding fast that which is good. He's abstaining from all appearances of evil. It's what he's doing in his head. But one of those things is this in verse number four. He had a prayer list in verse number four. Like your church has a prayer list. And he was thanking God. The sense is that he's always thanking God for Philemon in this awesome church that's going on. Then in verses five through seven, we're going to look at the character. What is the spiritual character of someone who forgives? Because that's the underlying foundation of this book. Verse number five. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints. So someone who forgives, which we'll get to more and more. But number one, they have a concern for people. Because Philemon's faith was real. He was the real deal. He walked the walk and he talked the talk. It expressed itself. Its faith showed itself in a concern for people when they went up and down 35 and 90 in Colossae. And that faith expressed itself in blessing other Christians. 
Now, Paul heard about this ongoing faith in verse number five. It's something the sense is he's hearing about it all the time because in his first Roman imprisonment, guys, he's not thrown away in some deep, dark dungeon eating bread and water. He's like, he has like an ankle bracelet, okay? Right? He's under house arrest. That's the sense of it at the end of Acts. And the, the idea is kind of like he's chained to a Roman soldier, but from nine to five, the front door is open and whoever wants to come in can come in and he can dictate letters. Look at all the letters we have from the first Roman imprisonment, right? He can speak a letter, dictate a letter, the scribe writes it down. He then takes the pen at the end of it and he signs the salutation with his own hand, which is the token in every epistle. So he writes and boom, sends that letter. So he can run shop, he can do business, right? Under this first house arrest and he's hearing all these awesome reports of Philemon and that church, the great things this church is doing. Verse number six, we got a few of them here, a few characteristics in verse number six, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What in the world does that mean? Number one, someone who forgives has a concern for fellowship, for fellowship, the communication of thy faith. That is to say, look at what I'm about to ask you to do. If you do this, if you, I know you're doing great and you're awesome, but this will energize your faith, this will perfect your faith, and this will make you really, really, really whole and solid as a believer if you just do what I'm going to ask you to do in a minute. But it has a concern for fellowship. I was speaking at a church in northern, that's where we live, in northern California. The land of fruits and nuts. <laughs> Big time. Okay, <laughs> Way up north in Redding. And I was speaking in the church in Alturas, which we go to every year. Okay. And this, I'm not picking on Aria. Okay. <laughs> there was a, my little girl was, was just Hosanna, who's four and a half, who was one, and she just wouldn't stop crying. And I'm speaking the whole book of Revelation from memory. It's just like we are here one hour at a, every 168 a week, and honey, <laughs> I need I need you to keep the baby quiet so they can concentrate on the oracles of God and not on the baby crying. So I looked at Sarah, gave her a wink and a nod. 93% of communication is nonverbal. She took the kid up and got it out. Great. But the youth pastor's kid, the kid just would not stop. Not little talk, freaking out, okay? And everyone's looking at the pastor's kid and not listening to the apocalypse. So I stopped and... I opened my mouth, and you would have thought I voted for you-know-who. Just the rage, the fury, the anger. Don't you dare. Don't. And I'm like, can you please, please, very nicely, it was very nice. Please take your child out so we can concentrate on God's word. Oh, man. And then after church, he runs up to me in a beeline, and I'm like, two things. Number one, first of all, just remember, it says somewhere, I think, that like God's angels are in here in church and they're watching. They're going to tattletale on you if you're not nice. <laughs> so I think it says that. So just be nice, number one. And number two, I come here every year, once a year. I don't want the evil eye from you every time I come here. I want to have fellowship with you. If I, for, if I sinned against you, which I obviously did, did, but I didn't do it on purpose, please forgive me. Sincerely forgive me. And then that just kind of brought him down. Hot, puffy. Concern for fellowship. If you find a perfect church, don't join it because you're going to ruin it immediately. <laughs> right? I'm sure there's people here who don't really like each other that much. Not good. Not good. Also, another concern of someone who forgives in verse number six 
right? You have a concern for knowledge by the, uh, by the acknowledging every good thing which is in you. In other words, the reason you, you know in your head what it says, right? You're going to, um, you know, um, how does it go? Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And here it is. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Here it is. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You better forgive that person because Christ forgave you. You know it in your head. You're supposed to forgive them. That's the sense. And then finally, one more in this one, verse number six. Someone who forgives has a concern for Christ's glory. The end of verse six, it says, in Christ Jesus, it should be unto Christ Jesus. The reason you're forgiving that person, you don't want to forgive and they don't deserve to be forgived. Someone the other day said this silliest thing (laughs) about one of my kids. Called them a name. And they thought it was cool and funny, you know, a name that rhymed. That wasn't nice. So what do you do? Well, you approach that person. Can I talk to you in private? And you explain to them, even though they're twice your age, that they shouldn't be doing this, and it's not blah, 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 and that, 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 all right? And, and you, you, you're angry. <laughs> Who wouldn't? But, right, you do it unto, the word is unto Christ. You're doing it for the, the sake of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you forgive that person, even though you don't want to unto Christ Jesus. Verse number seven. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love. Is it hot in here or is it just me? Is it hot? Great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. A spiritual character of someone who forgives is that they are a blessing. They're a blessing to other believers. Paul is like, look, he's, I don't want to use the word buttering up, but he's buttering up. He's complimenting Philemon before he asks him for something. That's what he's doing, okay? By the way, did I tell you how great you all look today? (laughs) You guys are such a good-looking church. Verse number eight. We'll do eight and nine. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? This is an appeal to do what is right. Verses 8 through 18 will be the actions of one who forgives. The actions, verses 8 and 9. When he says, though I might be much bold in Christ, here's what he's saying. He's going, look, finally, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to say this. Do you have any idea who I am? Do you know how smart I am? Do you know I've written half the New Testament? Do you know I saw the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ in person? Do you know if it wasn't for me, there would be no Christianity? That's not what he says. (laughs) And neither should we talk like that. People don't care about your titles. None of that stuff. He just tones it down and says in verse number nine, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. Is one friend to another... I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you to do what? Verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. So Paul's going to describe here, and then in verses 10 through 18, three actions then, actions of someone 
who forgives. Number one, verses 10 through 14, which we just started. Someone who forgives receives back. It's not, you know, let him that stole steal no more. That's not, a, that's not enough. But rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may give to him that needeth it. You're putting off, yeah, but then you have to put on. So you have to forgive them, yes, but you have to receive them back into your life. Verse number 10. Who, what, so this is the third actor in this stage. Onesimus. Got Paul, Philemon, Onesimus. The, the, well, I'll hold that. Now, he, in the end of verse number 10, is Paul's spiritual son. He, here's basically what happened in verse number 11. Which in times past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Onesimus was the servant, the slave, the property of Philemon, the rich man. The slave wronged the rich man. We don't know how. Maybe he was lazy. Maybe he stole from him. Nobody knows. But he ran away from home. Okay? Then, somehow, he got put... Is there any officer cops here? No? What's it called? The ABP? Is that what it's called? When they put it out on the wire? That, what is it? APB. Thank you that we have an APB on this guy. He was very easily identified because he was either tattooed on his right hand or on his forehead, Revelation 13, because he was a slave, okay? He got picked up and he got thrown into prison. That's the sense of it, okay? Now, Onesimus, it's a common slave name and it means helpful, helpful. But we see in verse number 11, somewhere along the line, he forsook his namesake and became useless, now, all that being said, verse number 10, whom I have sent again, now therefore receiving that is my own child. What? Paul, prison, knows he's going to be released soon, knows Onesimus is going to be released soon, takes the letter, the scroll, hands it to Onesimus, the FedEx guy, the UPS guy in Rome, seven to 10 day boat journey from Rome to Ephesus, then from Ephesus to Colossae, another two, three, four days on foot or animal or whatever, two week turnaround. And the last, the worst person in the entire world that you want to see show up on your front porch. Do you have porches here? Yes. On your front porch today, there he is. Oh boy. Uh, Honey, (laughs) come here. Someone's back. But Paul is saying, whom I have sent again, receive him, right? That is my own child. He's the one I put from birth to milk, from milk starting on meat. I want you to receive him like you receive me, the apostle Paul, your BFF yourself. He doesn't have to do this. According to Roman law, he could have him decapitated in a heartbeat as a rebel, as a runaway slave. Verse number 13 whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. The last thing in the world Paul wanted to do was see this new believer leap. It's like, you know, okay, Moses is mommy. They, they, go, they defy the empire, right? By faith, Moses, when he was born, they didn't, didn't do an ultrasound, as you know, back then in 1400 BC. They had no idea. But by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. He comes out of the womb. It's a baby boy. What are we going to do? Are we going to hand him over to the empire so they could cut his head off and slaughter him or drown him in the Nile River without like all the other babies and all the weak Israelites? Forget them. We're going to go by faith and we're keeping that baby. And then after three months, right, when she could no longer hide the child, now what? 
right? He's crying. They're going to hear him. She strategically thinks out how to do this. She puts him in an ark right where she knew the Pharaoh's daughter would walk every day at eight o'clock in the morning or wherever. She sets him up there. She gets him back. She gets paid to nurse him. And then, oh, can you imagine? Whatever, Hannah, Moses' mom at three years old, a little three-year-old, take the child and you can never see the child again. Gone. That's how Paul felt. This little baby in the faith, he's just getting ripped out of his arms and sent back to his real owner, as it were. Verse number 14, but without thy mind would I do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. In other words, I want you to do this, Philemon. I want you to do it with your whole heart and your whole mind because if you do this unthinkable thing to actually forgive this person, you'll see in the rest of the book that this is just going to complete you as a believer and set an awesome example in your local church of how you walk the walk and how you talk the talk as a believer in Jesus. Verses 15 and 16, as we hasten along, someone who forgives not only receives, but in 15 and 16, they restore. It's not forgive and forget, that nonsense. It's forgive and restore the relationship. Verse number 15, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. The sense of the verse is, look, maybe in the messiness of life, the kid was probably raised under a roof by kind of like, you know, whatever, foster parents or something, the owners. They did the best they could with what they got. They raised him up in the Lord. And when he decided to choose to to run away and to rebel, and he hit rock bottom, and he had nowhere else to look but up, and that's the sense of it. Maybe in the messiness of life, he departed for a season, which is just a little time in Greek, an hour. That's it that you should have received forever, that God's using his sin and his circumstances, right? To hit rock bottom, to look up, and he's right there, and God's right there to save him. And if you take him back now, now, what's, a, what's an hour of inconvenience in the light of eternity which you two will spend together as brothers in the Lord Jesus Christ? In verse number 16, see, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, how much more to thee in the flesh and in the Lord, if you take him back, it's no longer, of course, there's still the civil, the civil relationship of master, employer, and employee, sure. But on the other hand, there's not. Because now, before the cross, verse number 16, right? There's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. There's neither rich or poor. There's neither smart nor stupid. We're all one in Christ. We have the same, all of us have the same boldness and access with confidence to Christ, no matter if you've been saved 70 years or seven days. And that is how he's supposed to treat him and receive him back into his life as an equal before the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 17 and 18, someone who forgives restitutes. They restitute. Verse number 17, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Make this guy heart of your heart, bone of your bones, flesh of your flesh. Take him back into your house as if it was actually the Apostle Paul. And the person who has really done you wrong, just take him back in your house like Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. Verse number 18. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee anything, put that on my account. Big fancy theological word called imputation here. You have master, Philemon, God. You have servant, Onesimus, sinner. Paul says in verse number 18, if he hath wronged thee, if who's wronged thee? 
If the servant hath wronged thee or oweth thee anything, put that on my account. Paul is saying, I'm the middleman. Put it on my account. I'm Jesus. I will make it right between you two. If he's caused you any kind of inconvenience, any kind of financial loss, I'm willing to pay the price to make the rebel and to make the master complete and whole again. Verse 19, to the end of the book, we have some motives of someone who forgives. Why should I forgive? Motives. Verse number 19, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say unto thee how thou owest unto me even thy own self. Besides, one reason we should forgive is the recognition we have in recognition of an unpayable debt. Do you want me to remind you how you used to be? And he forgave you? Be quick to forgive others is the sense who owe us a debt. And another reason he says that you should do this in verse number 19, because Paul says, albeit I do not say unto thee how thou owest even my own self besides. In other words, you better forgive him because if it wasn't for me, in other words, you'd be going straight to hell soon. Verse number 20. Another motive of someone who forgives. Verse number 20. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. A reason we forgive is the possibility of being a blessing to someone else. May I find in you, Philemon, please let me find in you the real deal. Walk the walk, talk the talk, just like I found in that servant, that slave, Onesimus. Forgiveness brings joy, brings blessings, brings healing to relationships. Verse 21. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Another motive, another reason we should forgive is the necessity of obedience. Verse 21 to the end, he starts the conclusion here. He wants him to forgive voluntarily. He wants him to forgive out of love. Philemon is to obey the God who commands to forgive. Thou shalt not murder. Okay. Thou shalt not steal. Okay. Thou, you know, but forgive 70 times 7. I really don't want to forgive that person. You know, it just doesn't feel right. And no, we're forgiving. We are to obey the God who commands us to forgive. Verse number 22, another motive. Verse 22, but prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Another reason we should forgive is the acknowledgement of accountability. Paul is saying, look, and in other words, I know that I'm, my, the case against me is weak. I know I'm going to be released from prison in whatever. In two weeks, I even maybe have the date where I'm going to be released. And the first thing I'm doing once I get out of prison is I'm going straight, my friend, to your house. Because <laughs> when I come to your house, right, I want to see what you've done. And accountability, guys, it's not meant that we just see each other one out of every 168 hours a week when everyone's nice and looks good and smells good and is kind to one another. It's like, you need to be here for Sunday school. You need to be here for evening service. You need to be here for Wednesday. You need to be here to help with VPS. You need to, because this is how, we're a family and families don't see each other one out of every 168 hours a week. Accountability is huge. And it's a great motive to move things along in the right direction. And then, Verses 23 and 24. The list of names here, guys. Another motive to forgive is the importance of maintaining fellowship. 
right? These five men in these verses, guys, they were all known by Philemon. They were all known by Paul. They were all known by Timothy. It's a small group here. Everyone's connected. And if you forgive this person who was on the bottom of the totem pole, you're on the top. You forgive him. You humble yourselves down to that level. My friend, you are going to show the greatest example of what it's like to forgive someone like Christ forgave us. And then finally, the last verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Another motive, another reason we should forgive is the requirement of grace. Paul realizes that what he's asking him to do in the flesh, not possible. It's not possible. He doesn't want to do it, and he can't do it. The strength to do it could only come from the grace of God. Last year, August 21st, speaking, has anyone ever heard of Marshall, Minnesota? Okay. Leaving Marshall, driving to California after our summer tour. After church, get done speaking, come back inside. And for some reason, I, I washed out the baby's bottles. Okay? If I wouldn't have done that, the rest of the day wouldn't have happened. So we leave church. Hour down the road, boom! Some ex-con, gangbanger, loser, right? Just pulled out right in front of us and totaled our vehicle. Smash, boom, 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 boom. Three-year-old, two-year-old, six-month-old in the back seat. My wife, we didn't even know. She was pregnant. What do you do? Well, give thanks, number one. And everything give thanks. Everything means everything. Everything give thanks to the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Once you see no one's dead, no one has body parts coming out of them, they seem to be okay. Dust settles, EMT comes, everyone's alive. I know EMT sees this every day, but they don't mean like someone like me every day. And I use that smoldering vehicle and those beautiful kids is an object lesson. Do you know that you're going to die? I could have died. We could have died. How do you, let me tell you about Jesus who loves you so much. Right? And you use that opportunity as a preaching point. And you give them the gospel and you give them a gospel track. And then the cops walk with you because they think you're going to tear off their head, but they don't know me. And you walk up to the person who did that and you forgive them. Powerful. The book ends here. Boom. But obviously the story doesn't. What happened? We don't know. We'll have to wait till we get to heaven to find out. Forgiveness has a tremendous effect. Tremendous effect. To, for you, is your home, is your church, and to affect the world. God knows it. That's why he sent his son. Paul knew it. The power of forgiveness. And we, like Philemon, need to be reminded of it. Thank you so much for having us here today. We are, now that I buttered you up, it's time to ask you for something. We are 100% full-time missionaries. Four-year-old, three-year-old, one-year-old, and a three-day-old. If you were blessed by us today, we need your help. It's 100% full-time missionaries. We are reliant on our ministry continuing and the thousand-plus kids we clothe, feed, and shelter every single day overseas on you. If you were blessed, we pray you bless us. We take an offering, you want to write a check, make it to the church, and they'll get it 
to us at the end of the day. Come back tonight as well at 6 o'clock. As you exit, there's a few goodies I want you to check out. Number one, in person or online. You want more Bible education? This is where I teach in California. So good, so good. Today's message, you need it. Someone else needs it. You can buy it out there. Also, I know you just finished Revelation. This was, this was what, half an hour of teaching? Something like that? 30 minutes? This is 14 hours of t- you take all the people in the world, guys, who know the entire book of Revelation. I'm the only one you know because Jason Nightingale died two weeks ago. Okay? And you couple that with two master's degrees from Jerusalem, verse by verse by verse, 14 hours long, full college course. My wife says it's the best teaching on Revelation available. And that's available in the back. I, I would love to work with you and teach you the whole book while you're driving around or while you're, while you're at home or something. And this can make that happen. Thank you so, so much, guys, for having us today. We love this church. We think you guys are fabulous. You have such a great pastor and such a great pastor's wife. May God continue to abundantly bless your work here. Thank you so much. Pastor.